What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode on the eAssist Dental Solutions Dental MBA podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, and very excited about bringing another episode to you. As many of you have been watching these episodes, uh, there's so much clinical knowledge out there, right? In order to help your dental practice grow, your dental group grow, all of that. eAssist also is extremely vested in making sure that you get some business knowledge, right? We discuss the business side of the dental practice because as all of you know, that's a big piece of growing and evolving uh, in this great dental profession. So very excited and pumped to have two guests with me today. This is the first two guests Dental MBA podcast. So um, I've got Austin Moffat with me as well as T Hughes. And both of these guys said, hey, they would be happy to let you know who they are, what they do, where they're from, mm-hmm. and more importantly, um, how they got into the uh, financial world. So uh, Austin, we're going to go ahead and start with you. Love to have you share with everybody, again, just a little bit about yourself. And then I think most importantly, when and where did you start your, your career in financial management? Yeah, totally. Thank you. And thanks for having us on. This is exciting. Uh, yeah, I, I'm out of San Diego, uh, b- born and bred in Southern California. Uh, I've, I've dabbled a lot throughout the, the country, but uh, the, the, the sun and the beach always seems to bring me back. So ha- happy to be here. Uh, yeah, I've got, um, you know, I've, I've been in, in playing around in the dental industry for about three to five years. I've had a couple, couple clients and do, doing their books, doing overseeing some of their uh, financial structure uh, from a, a, a high level, if you will, for several years, uh, clients throughout the East Coast, Midwest, uh, West Coast, and then really just dove in full time about a year and a half ago. <clears throat> and it's been, it's been wild, right? I mean, jumped right in with the pandemic. And of course, there was a, a huge need for accountants and bookkeepers, really just everywhere, but specifically, you know, in dentistry with the PPP and the SBA stuff coming along, making sure everyone gets the proper information over to the SBA so that they could get their loans. Anyways, it, it, it seemed to be honestly, a you know, a super blessed industry really ha- having been, uh, you know, deemed essential. Right. And, and so, you know, there's a, a big need for us, but for me specifically, I've, I've been in accounting and, and finance really for about, you know, seven years. I've jumped around a couple industries. Primarily, marketing uh, has been really fun. I've I really enjoyed that industry. But uh, <clears throat> you know, my family is is rooted into dentistry all the way up from my my grandfather fifty years ago in the Los Angeles area, and uh, <clears throat> my my brother's re- really involved. You know, on on the the personal finance side with dentistry. So I've always kind of been around, and and really the past, like I said, three to five years, I've jumped in and full-time, like I had mentioned prior, you know, year and a half. And it's been fun to learn about the, the practices, really learning just the different, uh, you know, really not just the bookkeeping and accounting, but also the, the CFO structure and, and what needs that, you know, that, that dental practices and, and dental owners, you know, have, a, you know, that big need, uh, you know, in, in, in their practices. And so that's been a lot of fun, really just creating awareness, right? And so anyways, that's kind of my background there in a nutshell. I love it. Yeah. What a, what a great time to kind of hop in right into, into, into the field with everything that was going on. So great story. And, uh, and so T uh, I will let everybody know that this gentleman actually uh, had, had a, was having some internet outage in his neighborhood. He figured out a way to join us, which is super cool. And he's in Maui, which is, which is even better. Uh, but T would love to have you share with everybody a little bit about your story. Yeah, I mean, we've, I've been in the dental space for uh, almost a decade now. And, uh, you know, we, we got in 
owning DSOs. And what we found was a critical need in financial statements, proper financial statements, and then taking that more because when we were looking at practices and we were ascertaining whether we were going to acquire them or not, it was really coming down to like combing through the financials and trying to figure out what was real, what wasn't, where the, the business actually was, the health of the business. And so DSO CFO was created from, from my background in uh, having done an MBA and doing financial analysis and strategic consulting internationally and bringing that into the dental space um, with my partner. And, uh, and that, that was really what was creating, or for us was we didn't, we, we weren't able to find the type of financial analysis that we wanted. And we had many customers that were interested in having that, or, you know, that were practice owners that wanted to have this sophistication on the financial side, but just weren't at the level where they could go hire a full controller or a CFO or someone that could really run that for them. And so this was our way of creating a solution for, for something that was a problem that we were facing. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, DSO CFO. So I think that's a great place to start. And maybe you can, you know, get in a little bit more detail, letting everybody know about it. And I think more importantly, um, how you all are helping dental groups. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think one area where we really get in is we provide clear financial statements delivered on time so that these, that the, the practice owners can go back and they can look at what's going on with their business. And then really where I think DSO CFO excels, excels is where we go in and we say, here is the strategic information, right? So if we're looking at your EBITDA, what is your EBITDA? Why is it, uh, important to you and how does that information make it so you can make strategic decisions about your business and that's where you go back and say instead of saying oh well I've got money in the bank account looks like I can can, can go build out operatory seven it is okay here's what your financial statements are telling you this is what the forecast is saying and based on the budgets that we've created we're going to be able to say hey look based on what you're trying to do this is the trajectory of that and, and I think that's really key. If you can go back and you can say, here's where I am, this is where I wanna go, and this is, how I wanna, this is how I wanna get there, we can put that alignment in place. And so then when you're going and you're looking at your financials, it's more than just like, okay, well, my financials from last month tell me that this happened. Now it's like, okay, when you put a fractional CFO service in place, that's where you can really say, okay, well, this is where I wanna go and this is, my trajectory of how I'm going to get there. Well, and I think you're going to get into this kind of in our last question, which is what things look like in this post-pandemic world. But even just hearing you talk about that and uh, not, not that one doesn't get excited when you're super profitable, but like you mentioned, what strategic decisions are you going to do with that profit? Uh, but it's also, as you know, T, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, right? A dental practice doesn't always know what's going to happen. And so, whereas they might have a plan of something they wanted to do in the summer or the winter or next quarter, if something happens, uh, like you said, like not taking that into consideration, uh, you know, can certainly, uh, you know, put them on the wrong path. So I, I love the strategic aspect of it. Uh, super important. And with that, Austin, to you, 
uh, I think one of the things that you want to share with everybody is, you know, the dentistry niche that, 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 that you guys have focused, right? It's everybody that you're working with uh, is in dentistry and therefore you're going to know all the ins and outs, all the variables, the strategies that T's talking about. That's what you guys do all the time. So I would imagine this, this cadence of seeing the same things, having some familiarity with what happens in a dental practice um, is a big part of, you know, how valuable you guys are. Right. Totally. And, and I mean, you're, you're spot on. <clears throat> I mean, we, we've made it a point to not expand ourselves into any, any other companies or, or really industries really, and just focus on dentistry so that we can actually go in like you had suggested and see these things, you know, practice over practice from, you know, Oregon all the way down to, you know, North Carolina, you know, and, I, and, and throughout the country that, you know, this is what we're seeing throughout, throughout the, the country. And, you know, so this is, you know, what, what your average, you know, practice is doing, not only on a revenue basis, right. Cause that varies, of course, mm-hmm. not just through state, but just in, in, in general, but you know, this is what we're seeing, you know, for example, we um, you know, one of the things that we do that I think really sets us apart is we'll, we've created much like a couple other um, individuals as well, but we've created dental benchmarks, right. For dental practices and where we take the gross revenue and we take the percent of that gross revenue and, and line it up across, you know, their expenses. So, <clears throat> for example, if, you know, if we're seeing that, uh, you know, no, your, your average dental, dental supplies expenses is roughly, you know, 6% of your gross revenue, and perhaps maybe even your, your lab fees are 5% of your gross revenue, you know, that, that's what we're seeing, you know, how, how does your practice compare against the rest of the industry and, and, and the, the averages, right? And, are you high? Are you low? You know, do you want to get there? Right. And, and not, not all, not all dental practice is the same. They, n- nothing is, is, uh, you know, c- cookie cutter, if you will, you know, so that's where we go in from, you know, a, a niche, if you will. And we'll say, okay, great. The industry standard that we're seeing is, you know, roughly 6% of your dental supplies, but you know, do you want to get that lower to increase your, your EBITDA as T suggested? No, okay, great. What what would that look like, right? Maybe here's some suggestions, right? And so we'll we'll go from there. And because because we are so entrenched in dentistry, we have the relationships, right? And I think that's that's really where additional value comes into play, where we can say, right, great, you want to lower your your you know percentage by even one point, if you will, in in this area. Great. We we know, you know, XYZ company or or you know, manufacturer, if you will. And and we can help you get to that next point. And, you know, so we, you know, we, we, tr- we try to manage our strategic relationships and our strategic partners to help really benefit the practice from a bottom line perspective. And I think that's the value in, in the niche. And, um, you know, we, we really cling on to that, you know, we, we really, um, you know, we, we learn as much as we can on a regular basis from some of the, the industry leaders and, and see, you know, what's trending and what's not. And, you know, what, what do you foresee taking place in the future is, is there, is there a pivot taking place? You know, what is that? And, and how can we, you know, relay that back to our clients? And, and I think that's, that gives us, in my opinion, such a step, you know, above others that we know we're aware, you know, and so let, uh, allow us to come back and, and provide you with that information and see if we can't, you know, pivot your, your practice in, in that direction. Should that be your goal? Yeah. And I think, uh, and we have, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead, T go ahead for it. Yep. Sorry, John, I was just going to say, we see a lot in the industry of this shooting from the hip and people just going and saying, hey, you know what? I got money in the bank account. This looks like a good idea. I'm just going to go for it. And to 
very successful results and very disastrous results. Yep. And I, I, for me, a, a great example of that is our, our longest client that we've had um, back in 2008, well before he was a client of ours, but back in 2008, and I think this is a, a poignant example of, of how critical it is to make sure that your financials are, are in place and that you're paying attention to them uh, from, from not just what's happened in the past, but forecasting into the future. Um, in 2008, everybody was, was very uncertain what, what, what was going to happen. And it started to affect the dental industry pretty heavily. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're seeing similar patterns to what's happening now post-pandemic, right? There was uncertainty. People didn't know what to do. They were starting to look at their bank accounts. Bank accounts were starting to get smaller. And so they were, they were thinking, wow, things are bad. And everyone started to pull away from the things that they knew were providing the revenue and providing the growth for their practices. Um, and one of our clients decided, I'm looking at the bank account, seeing that all come back. He realized that there was a longer trajectory. And so he started looking two years in advance and he started looking through a financial lens. And that's where we, that's what we try to do. Look at things, still make those like from the hip decisions, like bring those things up, but look at them from a financial lens. And uh, the, uh, the majority of the practice growth, and obviously his practice is continuing to grow, but large amounts of practice growth happened in that period where he not only doubled down, but tripled down on the amount of advertising that he was spending. And that right there, I think, would, if you go back to what Austin was saying, it's looking at your business and making strategic decisions for that business. Now, the practice that was not kidding you, two doors down from his practice, they went from the industry standard for advertising and they went down to zero and their practice actually declined pretty significantly. Yeah. And so when you look at the business and you look what's happening in the industry and then you make decisions based on that and are, which are primarily fear-based decisions, you stop looking at the financial health of the business and you start looking at the like, holy crap part of the business. Yep. And when you go and you say, listen, I want to grow my business. I believe in it and I know I can do it. And by the way, that we have those types of conversations with clients all the time. And those are the clients that we love working with because they're saying, Hey, I believe in what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing is unique and I know I can execute. I just need someone to tell me, I think it looks good, but I need someone to help me make sure that I'm making strategic decisions that are really, really going to grow my business. Do you acquire that second or third practice or is that going to be a complete disaster? Right. And that, and I think that that second practice that a lot of these bigger, you know, primary practices looking at that second practice, I don't think a lot of people have used that lens. I think they've right. just thought I've gotten to this point. I need a second practice. Obviously what I'm doing works. I'm just going to grab that second practice. And they're not looking at it through the lens of financially, does this make sense? And is it strategic as, is it a part of my, of the way I do business and is it consistent? And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make those educated decisions so that it's not just like shoot from the hip. I'm going to just try this out. I've got enough money sitting around. Maybe this will work. And so we, we love that. We love that entrepreneurial spirit, but we, and we don't want to be the dream killers. We just right. want to make sure that people are looking at things through that financial strategic lens. Well, and as the both of you know, and, and I'm going to get into a little bit of a post-pandemic uh, question here, T, uh, anything with finance is emotional. 
right? Anything with money, with finance, with the, you know, the practice owner and everything that they've done and able to get to grow uh, is emotional. And so, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that you just can, it's so hard to put a price on the advice and the recommendations and the insight and the support that professionals like you guys give dental practice owners, because it is in those times, like, for example, I think about now in this post-pandemic pandemic world, it does feel like a lot of practices took a deep breath, right? If you did make it through, if you're still in somewhat of a good situation, you're like, whew, you know, and it's almost, you know, it's like, it's like a, an NBA player at the end of the season. I want to take a couple months off, you know, and kind of relax a little bit. But to your point, uh, you, you have, if, if you don't have that strategic direction, you could find yourself in the same spot. So that's kind of the last thing that I wanted to ask you to, to touch on. And you kind of, you kind of talked a little bit about it is how important it is right now to still stay true to a lot of those financial principles and a lot of the things that you guys were advising, I would imagine probably before the pandemic happened, uh, in an effort to kind of keep those practices disciplined to make sure that they're, you know, they're doing the right things. Well, so yeah, absolutely critical right now. And when you when you look at what's happening in the industry and the types of acquisitions that are occurring, you have to be prepared for the various types of acquisitions that might happen with your practice. And so we do two things with our uh, with new clients. We sit down and we talk about EBITDA, and 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 it's we find it rarer now that people don't know what EBITDA is, but we we find it that people don't really truly understand what EBITDA is and what that means to the health of their business and why it's important. And so number one, we go through, here's EBITDA. This is how we're going to have, we will be focused on EBITDA and we will be reporting to you what's going on with the EBITDA. Number two is we go back and we say a dollar coming in, regardless of whether, I mean, if if you're a successful practice and we look at the benchmarks and you can see our benchmarks on our website, but if you're a successful practice and you're coming back with 20% EBITDA, let's say, a dollar that comes into the practice is turning into 20 cents in your pocket, right? For, for just easy, basic understanding, if you're looking at that at, at the end of the day, 20% is going into your pocket. But if you look at your expense categories and you go in and you say, I can negotiate with vendors or I can go and I can be more strategic with this lab because they're more consistent with the type of work I'm going to do. It's going to make less work for me or whatever it might be. Every dollar that you save from an expense side means that you're putting a dollar back into your pocket. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think a lot of times the mentality is if I just spend more money on Google, if I put a, a new ad up in that uh, regional magazine, I'm going to get more dollars in the door. And what we, your, your, your question about the timing it is more important than ever to be strategic with your money. And if you're looking at expenses and you're thinking, oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm within the benchmarks. I'm even within the benchmarks that DSO CFO has. If you're thinking about it like that, it's a flawed mentality because that dollar that you could be putting right back into your pocket is probably not as difficult to get back into your pocket as, as you're thinking. And, and, and seriously, this is one of the reasons why we, why we recommend e-assist so often is because the, the strategy of using e-assist is critical at reducing the expenditures that are going towards that aspect of the business. Yep. And if you can say, okay, I'm going to push, I'm going to put e-assist in, and we have other strategic partners, but e-assist, where we, where we 
use the same mentality of, okay, you use this strategic partner and it can actually reduce the amount of expenses that will be allocated to that particular function to your business. And that's where I think that if you're looking at a dental business at this point, you have to look at compartmentalizing the different functions of the business. And post-pandemic, that's more important than ever because a lot of these areas we were kind of like, well, it, it's good enough. You know, the industry says that I can be at dental supplies at six to eight or whatever. I'm good to go. And then now you're finding that people are being more strategic about it. They're joining different areas where they can actually reduce the expenses that are going particular to dental supplies because they are being more strategic with that expense. And they're not okay throwing away like they were before, right? They're, they're, they're making changes that are specifically going to reduce that expense. Um, and it's not just throwaway stuff like, oh, well, you know, I, I decided that I'm going to do this one thing differently and it's just like easy to do. It's looking at it from a strategic standpoint. And I think it's critical that you do that because it's, we're in a point where we don't know what's going to happen with closures and everything like that. So if we are as tight as we can on the expense side, it will make us so we can face these, these problems and potential closures or ever, whatever might happen in the future uh, it, it will make us more strategically poised to handle those problems that, no, that will invariably come. Yeah, there's no question. It's just there, there as we're as we're now kind of getting on the other side of this pandemic, and I'm sure you guys see this as professionals. Uh, there are some silver linings that happened, right? Um, there, there's some there's some silver linings from this that uh, practices were forced. Uh, in many cases to have to make decisions that maybe before they were comfortable. I mean, let's call it like it is. I mean, for the most part, dentistry has been one of those great businesses where for the most part, a lot of patients will go to the practice. It's, you know, it, it has allowed the, you know, dentists uh, to be in more sometimes of a reactive mode, right? Knowing that in a lot of cases, your customers are going to come to you. Um, that's rapidly been changing, as you guys know, is there's more dental practices in a lot of the cities. And so they've had to do more marketing, but then the pandemic hits uh, and it forced a lot of them, as the both of you know, to really, really put a magnifying glass on these items. So I would have to think that for the both of you, um, it's encouraging, right, Austin, to think that, you know, these are things I'm sure that you were talking to a lot of your practices about. Now they lived through it. They, they, they felt it themselves. And hopefully now when, when the both of you or anybody from your team, you know, provides these insight, provide these strategies, lays out uh, the, the game plan for the practices, they're, they're listening more, which I'm sure is, is, is encouraging for you guys. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly what you said. I mean, I, I think more than anything, they said, they're, they're saying, okay, we got through it. You know, these, some of, you know, these things happens a, a lot of times they happened uh, a lot better than initially predicted. Right. right, and, right. And, and, and I mean, last year was so crazy. I mean, I, no, no one could have predicted anything I, anyways, but for the most part, you know, a lot of these, these guys pulled through. And so now as we're starting to reflect, right, things are just about back to normal. I, I mean, I can't speak for every, but if it's almost back to normal in California, I got to imagine it's almost back to normal just about everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, but that, that, that being said, I mean, they're starting to reflect and they're starting to say, okay, we've got it okay, great. Okay. Now, now we're actually starting to see our bottom line um, increase a little bit, right? What, what should we do? Right. And anyway, so they're able to use some of that, that historical, those historical projections. Right. And, and, uh, and ultimately they think they have more confidence in themselves. I mean, honestly, with that bottom line increase, you know, we're starting to see some dentists that maybe weren't two years ago thinking about buying another practice. 
they're starting to flirt with that idea. They're starting to look around. They're, they're starting to wonder if they need to um, create a management team or if they maybe need to spend more marketing, right? And so we're starting to see that a little bit more because, because they listened and, and because yep. they were able to act accordingly and, and they're, they're, they're through the, the really unique time that we just all experienced. Yeah. Confident dental practice owners combined with professionals like you guys is a very powerful force. And as you know, very well, the ultimate goal of what they're doing anyways is providing, you know, dental health for their patients. And the more, you know, the stronger, right. Their practices can be financially, the more opportunities they have to serve those patients, which it becomes a win-win for everybody. Well, guys, listen, this has been awesome. I know the ESS team really appreciates you coming on. Uh, and speaking to this side of dentistry, uh, dsocfo.com, everybody, dsocfo.com is where you can learn more about the great work that uh, that these guys are doing in an effort to be able to uh, to move our profession forward. So uh, thank you so much to the both of you. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, T, T, we got through the whole thing, man. Your internet was strong. <laughs> everybody got to hear everything that you said. Um, I can't leave this without saying hang loose because you're in Maui, right? So <laughs> thank you. Uh, kudos to you and uh, keep up the great work, guys. Good talking to you. Awesome. Thanks, thank John. Thank you, John. All right, take care.